Welcome to Eat, Drink, Innovate, the podcast about food startups, innovators and entrepreneurs who are making their mark in Australia's dynamic food and beverage industry. The future of food is happening here. Come join Susie White at the table to eat, drink and innovate. Aha! Hi everyone, I'm Susie White, a product innovation coach, author and podcaster in the food and beverage industry from Melbourne, Australia. In this podcast, I talk with food entrepreneurs, innovators, startups and industry experts to get behind the scenes and find out how they're building successful businesses and making their mark on the Australian food industry. Today, I'm talking with Mitch Wells. He's the co-founder, with brother Alex, of Billy Van Creamy. It's an ice cream business that makes natural, organic and vegan ice cream just like you would at home from fresh and simple ingredients like milk, cream, sugar and eggs. In this episode, you'll hear how Mitch and Alex's entrepreneurial journey started with a home ice cream maker and a gap they spotted in the Melbourne food truck scene for sweet desserts. With a little knowledge, a can-do attitude, and a lot of personal sweat equity, the two brothers have bootstrapped the growth of Billy Van Creamy from a bowling club kitchen and furniture van turned food truck into two bricks and mortar stores and a foray into the retail grocery channel. And in the aftertaste section, I'll think back on my chat with Mitch and share the two key questions you really need to answer to create winning strategies to guide your business. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Mitch. No worries, Susie. Nice to be on. Let's uh, let's set the scene first for the listeners. How about uh, you describe your role in the business and tell us a little bit about what your business does? So my role in the business, I pretty much run um, the eastern state side of things from everything from sales and marketing and then logistics, uh, getting our mobile uh, side of the business to events and things like that. And then... So Billy Van Creamy is uh, a natural ice cream company. So we make both dairy and vegan ice cream in a way that you'd make it at home, uh, but at a commercial level. And your role, so you are the co-founder of the business with your brother. Yeah, so uh, my brother and Alex and I started the business, um, but uh, now Alex lives in Western Australia with his family. So we've kind of... um, changed roles recently in the last 18 months or so. Let's go back to that point where you and Alex started the business. What were you doing before you did this business? And yeah, what what prompted you to start an ice cream business? Yes, I used to work in advertising and Alex used to work in marketing and fundraising, not for profit. And I guess uh, we'd always wanted to start a business together and we'd spoken about it for a number of years, but never really put plans in place to actually make it happen. Um, and previous to advertising, I used to work in hospitality for years, uni and after. Um, so hospitality was always kind of something I was interested in. And we saw a, a gap in desserts in the food truck game um, and decided we should bring back kind of like a Mr. Whippy that serves really great ice cream. Uh, but the thing is that we didn't necessarily know how to make ice cream at the time. 
So we kind of spent about 18 months perfecting a recipe that we would be happy with, uh, which was you know, completely natural and how you literally make it at home. So milk, cream, sugar and eggs, and then went from there. Okay, you have to take me back to that conversation. I really want to understand how two brothers working in advertising and marketing suddenly say, we should learn to make ice cream. Yeah, let's let's do that career change. <laughs> I, I remember exactly where it was. Uh, we're at a bar called Long Clay up in Fitzroy North. And um, yeah, we were just both kind of dissatisfied with our current jobs and um, we're looking for a change. And yeah, as I said, we'd always spoken about starting businesses and had ideas previously together. And I guess, yeah, it kind of gets to a point where you just dive in and give it a crack. And that was the idea that we had at the time and we ran with it. Why the name? How did you get to Billy Van Creamy? Why isn't it Mitch and Alex Van Creamy? Yeah, I guess we threw around so many names before we started. And probably one of the hardest things I think is actually naming a business because you're naming something that you don't really know what it is yet. Billy Van Creamy comes from what Alex and I were trying to picture the essence of uh, having an ice cream in summer and like what that feeling is. Um, and we ended up naming someone that Alex saw in Amsterdam and we came up with a name for that person who was rollerblading, licking an ice cream and just looked as happy as can be. So you literally found that person, that's the personification of our business. What would their name be? And that was the name you came up with, Billy Van Creamy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. From knowing nothing about making ice cream, how do you go about learning and teaching yourself to make ice cream? Um, I guess both of us have always uh, been really passionate about food and whole food, like as natural as possible and healthy and good food. So we're both cooks at home and I've been in and around hospitality for a long time. So I guess that helped for sure. Alex went and did a two-day course up in Sydney just to understand the basics of ice cream making in terms of balancing recipes. I guess the thing that we were really passionate about was never adding any uh, stabilizers and emulsifiers, which is kind of the norm within the industry these days. Um, So we knew the basics, but we wanted to find a way to make it in the way that we we were passionate about. So you yourselves got involved. You trained yourselves up uh, and you started creating recipes. So where are you doing this? Where where are you making the first batches of ice cream? Before we started the business, we were making ice cream on a one-litre Revel home machine that I think my mum got me from my birthday, maybe. Uh, Mainly at Alex's house because he just had his first daughter. Uh, so he, his wife and uh, my girlfriend and and us two were trying a bunch of ice creams, having friends over, trying ice creams. And we started with vanilla, but yeah, it took us a long time to get to a point where we were really happy with that flavor. And is this the point, Mitch, where I'm imagining you're in your brother's kitchen, you've got the girlfriends, your mum obviously knows you're doing it, she's got you the, the ice cream maker. What are the people around you saying at this time about this newfound passion for ice cream? Yeah, I guess um, everyone was pretty supportive. I'm not sure that anyone really thought we were probably going to go through with the idea because um, even now it sounds a bit ridiculous. But yeah, everyone supported us along the way. And yeah, we had kind of friends coming 
around trying ice cream, uh, throwing ideas for names of the business. Yeah, it was a pretty supportive atmosphere. You mentioned the food truck and you had this idea, not just about making ice cream that was all natural and didn't have all those emulsifiers and additives and stabilizers, so it was fresh and, and wholesome, but also this idea of a food truck. When did the food truck come in and how did you step out of your brother's kitchen and into a food truck? Yes, I guess the food truck was the initial idea. We saw it as a way to get out there and sell from a retail perspective without huge overheads of a shop and rent. And the initial idea came from the fact that we saw that there was plenty of burger trucks and um, all other types of savory food trucks, but uh, not many desserts going around. So that was always the initial idea was, yeah, we'll do one truck and then, you know, if it goes well, maybe we'll do a second and then if it goes really well, we'll do a third. In terms of making the ice cream, it's quite a bootstrap story. We started in Thornbury Bowls Club. We contacted the council as to like what sort of permits we would need to start this food truck. And then we ended up finding a commercial kitchen, which happened to be in a bowls club. Why the bowls club? Just because that was near you or it was the closest one you knew and they had capacity? Yeah, essentially we we knew we needed a commercial kitchen like but through uh, the council and we knew that renting and fitting out a commercial kitchen was not realistic for us at that time due to money. <laughs> so we had to think about what sort of places have uh, certified commercial kitchens that probably don't use them every day. Um, and yeah, we had a few different ideas, but spoke to a couple of bowls clubs and yeah, the Thornbury Bowls Club had a massive commercial kitchen and was only used usually one to two days a week. So we negotiated with them to hire their commercial kitchen two or three days a week um, and keep our ice cream machine there. So it worked out amazingly well and was very cheap. I love that creative solution. And what about the storage? Because I'd imagine freezer space is is the tricky thing. So there's yes, there's making it in the commercial kitchen, but then you've got to freeze it pretty quickly and then keep it in the freezer and store it in the freezer and transport it in the freezer. We bought... Uh, extra freezers but I guess the good thing is when you're first starting out you don't need much Uh, so we're able to store most of our stock in the actual truck itself and just a basic storage freezer there. Now tell us about this truck because food trucks aren't cheap. What did you buy and how did you find one? So we ended up buying a secondhand removal van and then uh, yeah fitting it out as a food truck. The good thing about ice cream is that you don't need to have a commercial kitchen within the truck. So it was a matter of getting it out to look approachable and, um, you know, creating a strong brand. But yeah, essentially it, all it needed was a, a service freezer that we could scoop ice cream out of. So I'm picturing this removal van and it's a, it's a van. You have to custom fit that then. How are you doing that? Yeah, we mostly did all of the work ourselves, barring things like electrical work. I, I feel like we spent far too long doing it, but uh, when uh, money is a factor, you just got to make do and um, teach yourself how to do things that you probably never would have thought you'd, you'd learn. <laughs> and for you, Mitch, is that, that's literally cutting a hole in the side of the van, creating a service counter, one of those lift up awnings, uh, putting the freezer in and securing that. Is it, is it all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, um, Alex is uh, a lot more handy than I am. 
Um, without him, I don't think it. Yeah, it could have happened. Um, we also had the place that we keep our truck. The the guy that owns the warehouse there is very good with his hands as well. He's kind of like a builder, maintenance guy, and uh, he helped us where we kind of got stuck. Yeah, good point. Where does one park a food truck? I, I'm imagining you get a bit of trouble parking out on the suburban street permanently outside your house. Did you did you have to find a warehouse? Yeah, so that's one of the downsides of a. An ice cream van is that it always needs to be plugged in because you can't have freezers being turned off. I can't remember if we put an ad out on Gumtree or we found an ad on Gumtree um, for a warehouse up in Coburg North. And yeah, it just so happened that there's about five centimetres leeway with how big their door is there and uh, the truck fits only just. But yeah, we've had it parked there for almost five years now, so it's, it's worked out well. So let's recap where you're at. You're making your ice cream at the Thornbury Bowls Club. You've got the removalist van outfitted. You've found somewhere and leased some space and you've got storage and the freezer units are in there and the product's in there. Where do you hit first with the food truck? How do you know what events to go to? To be honest, we we didn't really. We, we knew that we wanted to do street trading, um, so just kind of parking up on the side of the street serving there. You need to have permits to do so um, and each different council has different regulations and fees and things like that. But the first place that we have parked was up in Northcote on Rutgers Hill. So yeah, there used to be about five or six trucks that would visit there each night and we kind of made that our spot, which is great. Which I'd imagine gives you a bit of scale as well because then you're not having to draw people to you. They already know that's an area and if they go there, there's a wide variety of other food trucks. So this is a good example where they're actually not your competitors and there's strength in numbers. It's good for there to be multiple food trucks there. You're not trying to compete with them. You're actually complimentary. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a really supportive um, atmosphere within the food truck industry. We, We kind of thought that it would be you know, a bit narky or people not wanting other people on their turf, but it was actually really great. Um, everyone supported each other and kind of looked out for each other too. Uh, you and Alex, what are your roles in the, in the food truck? Who's driving? Who's serving? Who's staffing this thing? Um, at that time, when we first started, we were both doing it all. So both driving on different nights, whether it was Ruckers Hill or um, a couple of other places that we visited. Yeah, we were very much just Tim and I taking it in turns or working together if it was a busy day, doing everything from, yeah, parking the truck, scooping, making the ice cream, doing it all. And was there a moment when you thought, yes, this is this is going to work? We've proven we can really do this. I can't really remember thinking that, <laughs> but I, I do remember in that first summer because we launched in December 2014 and I remember we did St Kilda Festival which I think in February in 2015. It was just Alex and I and we kind of rocked up and thought it'd be a busy day but my girlfriend um, Emma said oh do you guys think that you want a hand and fortunately we we got her help because we got slammed for about 10 hours with like a 50 meter line the whole day so that was kind of the day that we saw what you can potentially do in a food truck, which is yeah, really promising. All right. So that was the day when it all sort of came together. A far cry from sitting in that cubicle working on advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Were you having one of those surreal moments when you thought, this is a job now, this is what we do? Like looking back, it's definitely quite surreal, but I guess there's such a fine line between success and failure that you're, you're always just thinking about how do we 
continue to make this work. You kind of like don't really get that time to reflect um, early on. How was the relationship between you and Alex? Did you find as brothers you could work well together? Yeah, I think um, we're, we're essentially brothers and best mates as well, which is um, really great. And obviously, there's um, times where you have disagreements on things and one person thinks one way, the other person thinks the other. But uh, the great thing about working with your brother is that you know that they've got your best interest at heart as well 100% of the time and you're both just trying to do the right thing and compared to how I imagine other partnerships it's like everything's out on the table and you just got to deal with it like nothing gets swept under the carpet which is kind of a really great thing I think. And let's go back to the products now what were you making like what 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 flavors of ice cream what type of ice cream were you making and what was selling well for you? I think since day one salted caramel has been another one seller we make like the caramel ourselves and yeah it's just always been super popular <laughs> but yeah we we kind of made all of the the classic flavors at the start the kind of pistachios the hazelnuts our classic vanilla bean that we slaved over for 18 months we kind of always had really positive feedback on our products so i guess that always gave us confidence that we were doing the right thing and do you always do a bit of a taste testing is that still sort of the role of friends and family before you roll it out um not so much friends and family we have um a full-time pastry chef now she does a lot of the uh flavor development with kind of us involved as well so we've kind of handed some of that over to her which is great Let's talk about this expansion stage because you can't afford a full-time pastry chef on running one food truck, I'd imagine. But I know you've got two retail locations now, actual physical bricks and mortar stores, one in Fitzroy North and one in Northbridge in Perth. How did you make that jump out of the food truck and into, you know, a bricks and mortar store? Yes. After that first summer, which is the 2014-2015, Alex and I thought it would be a great idea to do a summer pop-up. We kind of saw the need to have more consistent revenue because a lot of the food truck work is only weekend-based. There's not a lot during the week. So we were looking for spaces and one of the areas that we were looking at was Fitzroy North. Um, And we happened to walk past the shop that had up for short-term lease called this number. And um, we called the number and had a look at this shop and we're meant to be here uh, six months and been here three and a half years. So <laughs> that's how the Fitzroy North one came about. And then Alex, as I said, moved back to Perth, which is where we're, we're originally from in April of last year. And we decided that it would be a good idea in the Perth climate to start a shop there. And we opened one there in November last year. It's time for a quick break now to thank our sponsor. When we come back, hear how Mitch and Alex stepped out of the Bowls Club kitchen and into their very own ice cream stores. I'd like to say a quick thanks to today's sponsor who helped make this podcast possible, the Monash Food Innovation Centre. They can help you fast track and de-risk your new products in the Australian market or export markets like China. Did you know that only one in 10 food and beverage products survive the first year of launch? That means nine out of 10 fail. If you'd like to be one of those businesses that gets it right, then the Monash Food Innovation Center can help. It has cutting edge technologies, 
product development services, and runs capability workshops to upskill business owners and employees in the art and science of food innovation. Whether you're a food startup or a large corporation, check them out at www.foodinnovationcenter.com and see how they can help grow your business through innovation. Welcome back. We've heard how Mitch and Alex from Billy Van Creamy retrofitted a furniture van into an ice cream food truck, hired out a Bowls Club kitchen and decided to step into their very own bricks and mortar store. And so I asked them, how did they take that leap into a committed lease for an ice cream shop? Yeah, I guess we were fortunate that it was a month-to-month lease, so we knew that we weren't going to be locked into anything. So we'd done the modelling in terms of finance on a shop and thought that we could kind of handle the, the bills. Yeah, essentially we we thought we were going to just be in for six months, but again, similar to the truck fit out, we, we took so long to fit it out ourselves. <laughs> we um, didn't launch until uh, just before Christmas of that year, so we would have only had three months to kind of make back our investment. And then pretty quickly, we realized that we needed a more permanent kitchen space and we moved our kitchen out the back of the Fitzroy North shop and kind of haven't looked back and then. So now you've almost, you've got a base, you've got your own kitchen, the food truck's still running on the weekends, which is giving you some revenue while you're kitting out the new retail store. But now we start getting into the issue of staff because are you opening this shop every day and how are you staffing it? Yeah, so um, definitely open every day. It, it was a crazy time for sure. We definitely hired um, some staff in that summer, but Alex and I were definitely hands-on. We were still making every scoop of ice cream that we had ever sold and then yeah, pretty heavily involved with the store throughout the weekend. Like one of us would be involved with the, the truck and then uh, one of us would be at the shop with uh, the other staff. Right. And where do you find these staff? Is it a seasonal business? I don't know. I mean, of course, you'd be flat out in the summer. Is winter a quiet time and you staff down? Are you sort of lots of casuals? Is that how you manage it? Yeah. Um, that first year, it, yeah, it was all casual. It was quite a um, a natural way of finding Like we never put out ads or anything. We just had um, people either apply or friends of friends um, become interested in the job. But yeah, come the end of March when the kind of food truck season gets comes to an end and the weather started to get cooler, essentially Alex and I worked every night through that first winter, which was um, pretty interesting, uh, quite a slow time. But um, yeah, I think it was really important for understanding the, the seasonality of the ice cream business and what we can do to kind of combat that. And can you combat it or is it, a, is it just that you know that that's a slow time and that's when you do a lot of prep for the upcoming season? Yeah, like there's no, no doubting that uh, winter is a lot slower. Um, there's ways around it in terms of trying to get wholesale accounts that buy all year round um, and we're currently launching a retail range that uh, will be sold in supermarkets to try and even out the queue. Ah, you read my mind. Yeah, had you thought about going into retail? Because that's a that's a high volume area. You you know, it gives you once you're in, gives you a little bit more security. I would have thought on sales, you know, maybe how much you're going to sell and in which channels. So you're going into retail, or you are there now. 
Um, I guess we've dipped our toes so far and, yeah, we're kind of about to ramp that up in the next uh, couple of months. So hopefully we'll be in a whole lot more stores in, in the next six months or so. Now, that's a really crowded space in the frozen area in any retail store. And we know they've only got a certain number of freezers. What range did you put forward? How did you pitch a new ice cream product that was a bit different from what's already in there? Yeah, I guess like we've always got our point of difference, which is the fact that it, it is actually 100% natural. It's made with milk, cream, sugar and eggs. And then we've had such uh, great support for our vegan range, which we launched about two years ago, that we decided to put our retail offering to three vegan flavors and three dairy flavors. Ah, clever. Okay. What prompted the shift to vegan two years ago and creating those products? I guess the alternative um, dietary options are a key to, to any food business these days. There's just more and more um, people opting for a vegan diet, I think. And we saw that trend. And I guess we started off by tasting a bunch of uh, vegan ice cream. We'd, we'd always offered vegan sorbets, but um, we wanted to have a vegan ice cream and we'd, we'd seen it be, being done overseas. And we found that a lot of vegan ice cream was quite heavily coconut-based and you kind of have a coconut flavor with the flavor of ice cream that you're having. So we wanted to find a way to neutralize that and make the flavor of the ice cream the the hero and then everything else the background um so we started using uh cashew milk as well as coconut milk which allows it to be really creamy and thick which is kind of our promise in in our product a lot of people wouldn't even know it's vegan sounds delicious now you've got a pretty strong story and credentials to rock up to a retail store you know you've been in business for five years, you've got two retail outlets, you're running a food truck. How did you get that first meeting with the buyer for the retail store? What did you have to do? We've kept it pretty local. Um, We're only in about six or so stores at the moment. And they're mainly people that we've had relationships with previously just either come to the shop or they've had a scoop at the truck. And yeah, we've got in contact that way or just through other friends that we've met in the food business to put us in contact. So I guess it's very much a network way of getting in front of people. Yeah, this is this is really relationship building and, um, as you say, building the local community first. Were you ever tempted or why didn't you just knock on the door of the Coles or the Woolworths buyer, for example, and say, right, national distribution, here we go? Um, yeah, to be honest, I, getting involved with a Coles or a Woolworths scares me quite a lot <laughs> no. uh, in terms of being able to, first of all, have the the production capacity to support those, that type of order would be um, probably higher than where our current ability. So, you know, maybe one day, but um, at the moment we're pretty happy with how things are going. All right then, fantastic growth story. We've heard how you've developed and how you've gone on. Do you do much in terms of the way of promotion or advertising? The only advertising that we ever really do is um, on social media, predominantly Instagram. Um we try and stick clear of paid advertising in terms of groups like media outlets or anything like that. But yeah, it's just trying to grow a community that is interested in what you're doing and interested in what you've got to say. And I'd imagine ice cream is pretty Instagrammable. That there's some pretty awesome pictures you could put out there. Yeah, it takes uh, a lot of work for sure. 
um, and ensuring that you maintain good quality photos is probably the hardest part of things. But yeah, it's definitely uh, worthwhile. And looking back kind of over the journey you've you've been on already, Mitch, is there anything you think in hindsight, gee, I wish I'd known that before I started? Sure, yeah. I, I feel like when we first started the business, we didn't really have a strategy, which is something that yeah, I'm really grateful for. We've had some really great mentors through the journey um, that have helped us become a bit more um, business orientated and an understanding of like what you need to do to be successful. I feel like we should have um, had a stronger strategy from the start, but one of those things you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and how did you find those mentors? Are they people that naturally just you came in contact with or did you actually actively have to go find them? Um, I guess we knew we we wanted or needed a, a mentor um, and kind of had uh, a few different ones over the period, but um, usually just through friends or one through family. It's great the more people you talk to and talk about your business to, like you get different perspectives and different ways of thinking about things. So, yeah, I really value that. And now thinking, thinking about strategy and maybe a bit more about company vision, how high is up for Billy Van Creamy? What sort of your what are your end ambitions for this business? Yeah, like we're pretty ambitious in terms of growth. We realise now that growth is difficult without significant capital, uh, which is something that we have never had. But we're pretty kind of bootstrap kind of vibe here. <laughs> so yeah, we're pretty ambitious in terms of like where we want to take the business. But yeah, to be I always like to wrap up the podcast with this question because you've been through the startup journey, you have scaled up, you've bootstrapped through this whole startup phase. What advice or words of wisdom would you offer other food startups or entrepreneurs who are trying to have a go? I would say uh, have a really strong strategy about what your business is and how it's going to grow to be able to give it the things that you want out of it. But most of all, just jump in and have a crack because I feel like so many people talk about ideas and talk about things that they want to do or they they think are great ideas and then just never take that step of jumping in and giving it a go. As food entrepreneurs, we're all a bit guilty of those creative blasts when all the ideas come and then how many do we actually follow through on? So yeah, great advice. Now, how could could listeners find out more about you and where to buy your products? So they can check us out on Instagram, which is at Billy Van Creamy, or they can go to our website, which is billyvancreamy.com.au. Go to shop in Fitzroy North and Northbridge in Western Australia, which both are open pretty much every day of the year. So there's no excuses. Fantastic. And um, given I'm in Melbourne, I'll be heading down there. Thank you so much for sharing your startup journey with us today, Mitch. It's been totally inspiring to listen to how you bootstrapped your way with your brother, Alex. And uh, look, I wish you every success in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much for having it. Aftertaste, the sweet taste of success. Thanks for sticking around. This is the part of the podcast when I think back on my chat with Mitch Wells from Billy Van Creamy and reflect on a learning from his startup experience. And today I'm going to talk about one piece of Mitch's advice to other food entrepreneurs, which was to have a really strong strategy about what your business is and how it's going to grow. And this is something I hear from a lot of food founders. They do want to be agile and reactive to the opportunities once they're in the marketplace, but they also hanker for a guiding strategy to direct their efforts. 
and I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. It's helpful to first remind ourselves of the role of a business strategy. It's to guide the actions, direction, and investment choices of a business to achieve growth and prosperity. It becomes a a common frame of reference so that when new people join the team and say, oh, what is it we do here? Your business strategies will clearly answer that question for you. Now, some people may say, well, that's super easy. My strategy is to grow my business. But simply saying you want to grow isn't enough. A good business strategy makes two key choices. The first is where to play. And the second is how to win. So to answer the first strategic choice on where to play for food and beverage businesses, you need to make some strategic choices about the customer. What customer will you satisfy with your product? The product and category. What food or beverage will you make to satisfy those customers? And the channel. What sales channel will you deliver your offer through to your customers? This is all about making a deliberate choice about the business environment you're operating in. And the idea here is that you do that proactively and explore what you're getting yourself into before you commit time and money or rely on an accidental choice or wait for the market forces to push you one way or the other. So for example, just like in sports, when you step onto a tennis court, the rules of engagement, what you wear, how the game is scored, who you play with or against, that's all very different than if you chose to step onto a cricket field instead. Mitch and Alex at Billy Van Creamy decided to make premium natural ice cream, put it into cones and sell it direct to customers via a food truck at events. Now that's a strategic business choice. A very different one would have been if Mitch had decided from the start to make tubs of ice cream to sell through grocery stores. The product, the price, the packaging, the distribution, everything would have been different. Now, let's talk about the second strategic choice that you can make for your food or beverage business, and that's about how to win. Now, I want to break down this a little because it sounds a bit like business jargon and winning can sound super competitive and self-serving, like all you're trying to do is beat the competition. But for today, I'd like you to think about it more in terms of your business being successful, being profitable and sustainable so that you can make the difference to the world that you want to. So how do you make decisions about how to win? Well, those are choices about firstly, your key resources. What physical, intellectual and people resources will you need to help you operate your business? Key activities, what actions must you take to design, develop, and deliver your product into your customers' hands? Your cost structure and revenue streams, what will your product pricing be and how will you collect your sales? Key partners, who will help you source materials and perform certain activities? So the second strategic question around how to win is really about asking what resources will you develop? find, invest in, and use to get the job done? How will you be different than other players in the market? And how will you attract customers in the area you've decided to play in? So for example, for Mitch and Alex at Billy Van Creamy, these resources would be the need for a certified kitchen at the Bowls Club to make the ice cream. Key partners would include the trainers who taught Alex how to make the ice cream and the local council who authorized the permit to operate a food truck. 
the activities they took would be creating new ice cream recipes, making and freezing it into tubs, and driving the food truck. And lastly, the cost structure, well, that would be the choice to sell single cones direct to consumers for cash or card transactions. The main watch out here is that you remain agile. Any business strategy isn't set in stone. Over time, your business model and strategic choices should change as your business grows and develops so that you can open up new avenues for growth. For Mitch and Alex at Billy Van Creamy, their realization that they needed more midweek sales prompted the expansion into bricks and mortar stores as their very next step in scaling up the business. And their more recent foray into the less seasonally driven retail grocery channel is the latest strategic evolution that will help them generate all year round returns. If you're looking for a really simple way to map out a possible business model and strategy, there's a great business tool that helps food entrepreneurs do this, and it's called the Business Model Canvas. It was created by Alexander Osterwalder from Strategizer. It's really good for early business ventures because it's literally one page with nine sections that helps you proactively plan, visualize, test, and make strategic choices about how your business could operate. It kind of becomes the blueprint for your structure and your processes and your teams. And I'll include a link to the template in the episode show notes so you can have a go at it. Well, I'd love to hear from you. What growth strategies have worked well for your business? How did you decide what type of product and business to run? Was it a passion-led decision or an active strategic choice? And if you had a go at the business model canvas, please get in touch. Let me know how it went. You can give me a call on the Eat, Drink, Innovate podcast hotline. It's 03-8844-4823 and leave me a message. Well, that's it for this episode. Many thanks again to my guest today, Mitch Wells from Billy Van Creamy, for sharing his bootstrapping startup story with us. And thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to tell a friend and join me next time to eat, drink, and innovate. Do you have any suggestions about successful food or beverage entrepreneurs and innovators in Australia that you think Susie should be talking to? You can get in touch with her at eatdrinkinnovate.com.au forward slash podcast and find all the show note links and innovation resources there too. And if you like this podcast, please help others discover it by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. 